Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition. Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Want to thank all the subscribers for checking us out. Big hello to all of you all. Hopefully you've gotten inspired to give the series a rating. Uh, leave a review, comment in the uh, comment box wherever you're listening from right now. And if you're not a subscriber, it's a great time to hit that subscribe button. With your preferred listening device, go to wherever you get your podcast from, and we will deliver three episodes a week, a brand new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, straight to your ears. It is the best way to keep up with all of your favorite artists. Do it right now. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today I'm going to be talking with Vagabond. She is back with a brand new record. It is her second one, self-titled, sophomore album, and it is quite different if you got attached to that first one. Gone is the guitar indie rock, and in is the, uh, well, the synth sounds, the grooves, the dance beats, trip-hop moments ethereal moments it's all in here and leticia and i are going to talk about all of that uh what drew her to this sound how natural did it come why touring had such an impact on uh, on this style and leaning 
into isolation, uh, loneliness. In fact, I'll, I'll call it chosen isolation that really starts to push it in this direction. We'll dissect all of that and hear the specifics behind songs like In a Bind and Water Me Down and the song Flood, which has ties to a, a Tegan and Sarah project that she was presented with and even an upcoming new song called The Wild that was written specifically for the movie The Turning, uh, a movie starring uh, Finn Wolfhard, who we've had on the show a couple times before, which once again finds Vagabond going in a different direction. It's going to be a surprising the direction that I'm going to let her tell you about later on. It's also a really interesting story about uh, if you if you did really get into her first record, Infinite Worlds, uh, she'll tell you it was written about a person. Well, that person was apparently at one of her shows while on a tour stop in the middle of America. And you kind of wonder, well, what was that like? How did that go? We're going to hear that story as well. Let's get into this. It's the new self-titled record, Kyle Meredith with Vagabond. Hi, Kyle. This record, this self-titled record, your sophomore album, is one of my favorites of the year. I've been obsessed with it since it came out. It is so good. Thank you for making this music. Thank you for saying that. Let's uh, let's start with the obvious stuff. This is different, yeah. and it's been well written about yeah. and well talked about. It's different than the first record. What drew you to this type of sound? Uh, mostly a lack of access to my community that basically inspired the sound of my first record. So I was playing um, DIY spaces, warehouses, punk shows exclusively, and playing with punk bands, rock bands. So naturally, my music, whether I wrote it in my bedroom or not, took the shape of the space in which it was being performed in. And so that changed a lot after Infinite Worlds, and I was more in the van. I was not no longer playing that warehouses. All of our venues, our DIY spaces closed down. And I just kind of started making more things on my computer due to the access. Yeah, and writing on the road, that seems to be a case with a lot of artists, especially towards the second records. A lot of the records become... Uh, well, they had the danger uh, sometimes for better, but a lot of times for worse of being yeah. the road record. <laughs> yes, I don't know. It's true. Yeah. Did Did you face that? Was there any of that point? Like, you know, I, I still want to try to write where people can understand it. People that aren't, you know, looking at the the yellow line the entire time. Hmm. I mean, I definitely thought about um, the sophomore slump that all my friends talk about, <laughs> um, and I was definitely worried about that. But I also felt like, you know, with with the the little bit of success that I got from Infinite Worlds, I didn't necessarily want to just feel like I only had that bubble to exist in um, because my interests kind of span across many different genres. And I and I felt like a second record was the perfect time to make a statement that I am um, not sure if I'm going to just make exclusively indie rock records. So I think that's part of the reason as well. How natural did all of these various styles come then? Because uh, that's hard for a lot of artists to kind of break out of that box. But you, it sounds easy when I hear the record. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is easy. I would say that indie rock was maybe more like more more of a, a found inspiration whereas like beats and and r&b melodies that's something i've been i've been listening to in my in my music since moving to the u.s so both are really really prominent in my life i love punk music i love rock music and i love hip-hop and rap and just singing and songs and pop songs so it came pretty easy easily to me and and i was just hoping i didn't lose everyone in the <laughs> well, I find it's it's part of the bigger conversation right now, especially with artists who are, let's say, under 30 years old or so, whatever that yeah. line is and everything, that, that 
genre is no longer a thing and it hasn't been for a few years, but it seems like you sort of have to fight against an old guard who also might right. be listening. Right, definitely. I mean, I, I'm I'm certainly wondering, um, I, I have asked myself, like, is it better to to kind of have this predictable sound or is it better to be experimental? And I just need to kind of make, I just had to make whatever I felt really proud of because if sophomore, if the sophomore slump, like, thing that everyone kept telling me about was real, I wanted to make sure if I did flop, I flopped on something I <laughs> believed in. <laughs> By the way, it, you, you did it. You did it. You exceeded. You went again. I, I would not call this a slump at all. Uh, in fact, uh, yeah. <laughs> I liked your first record. I love this record. That's one personal opinion. So for whatever that's worth, yeah. you know, what's interesting to me about especially these two, not just the sounds, but from what I understand, I mean, those songs on, you know, Infinite Worlds, those were the very first songs that you basically ever wrote in full and it's right. it's sort of mind-blowing to hear how much farther these songs are considering yeah. how close they were to your own beginnings like what do you attribute that to if, if you can pinpoint it mm. i am an extremely fast learner i, I i'm a i am i am a, a like i'm a student just naturally it's a part of my characteristic i went to engineering school i had a double major i taught myself how to be good at math and science and so being able to to get better fast it's something that i'm pretty accustomed to in my life so i just I just kind of had that that vision of this record being being a uh, like what's the word it, it's a showcase of of just kind of how much practice I've been getting since Infinite Worlds whether it be through tour or my own new rituals. I will say in in again a personal opinion here that there's sort of a um a connection to the first album maybe a jumping off point in one of the songs which it, it looks like a french word and I don't want to butcher it. Malales. Malales. If I feel like that would be the jumping off point if one wanted to make that connection between right. these two records. Definitely. And that was definitely thought of <laughs> when I put Malales on that on that very guitar driven album. <laughs> I mean, it gave you a future if you, you know, for whatever, exactly. if you needed that road. Right. It wasn't even, it was less about people even liking it or it being a track that people return to and more about just keep an open mind about what's to come next. Is that French? Did I have that right? Yes, it is French. Yeah. yeah. Now, I know you're, you're uh, multilingual in that way. Do you yeah. ever write in French beyond that? Do you ever consider writing that sort of, th- that album, those songs? I have I have written in French. Nothing has made it to an album. I feel like if I wrote songs in French, it would sound very like re- very like retro, like big band music. Uh, awesome. Maybe I'll do one day. <laughs> I mean, I would listen to that. Why not? It's, yeah. it's, that's something else, you know. Lay it on. Yeah, I could I could try that one day. <laughs> yeah. With uh, you know, I'll pinpoint one on on here too on the on the new record within a bind. It has all of these really beautiful layers, and they kind of sneak up on the listener as it progresses, as it goes further. When you have a song like that, and maybe specifically this song, is that something that you hear fully realized? Or, or when you're doing that, does it build up as you go, as you're writing, as you're, as you're constructing? That song in particular was the toughest song to um, to arrange on the album. Originally, I recorded it with a string section, so it was the song where it was guitar and strings, and then it didn't feel right like two weeks later, and so I scrapped all the strings. And then I knew that I always wanted a choir 
to in in that song specifically because that song is a lot of references to um West Africa, West African music, music that I grew up listening to and I really fought with it to figure out what it needed to sound really special and at the end I ended up just having a two-person choir which was myself and um a singer uh Taylor Simone Harvey and we just stacked all of these um harmonies mostly Taylor in all these different registers away from the mic, room mic, close-up mic, in the bathroom. We just did all these variations to simulate a choir um, because I couldn't get a choir in the time that I wanted to have this album finished. So it's one where I experimented with a lot of different arrangements and the one that, that ended up sticking, I feel really I feel really good about. And I really like searching for, for what the song needs. It, it's, it's exciting. It goes back to that old saying, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. It sounds like that's yes. what you were kind of dealt with this record. Yes, exactly. You, you, you'd mentioned, you know, uh, the multicultural thing, and, and we talked about it with the language, too. Being an artist who has a multicultural background, you, these songs are saying lots of very personal things to you, the things that you're surrounded with. But do you ever feel like there are expectations thrown upon you because of your background, of what you need to say in a moment? Sometimes. Um, and I think it just, from being you know, active in the music industry for a few years now, I'm starting to realize that 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 pressure does not really have anything to do with me. And besides, I put a ton of pressure on myself. That's actually how I I was able to sound so different on this record. So I kind of don't, I I try to just make sure that I'm level-headed in general and that I'm standing up for what is important to me, but also feeling like I have the room to, to have a sense of self apart from where I'm from. You talk a lot about isolation, and I feel like there's a sort of tie about loneliness in there as mm. well. And, and I, I don't know, that goes back to writing on the road, I think, is the context you've been talking about it in most interviews. But, but right. it's like, um, it sounds like a chosen isolation. Is that, am I yeah. far off? No, it it certainly is. You know, when I was a kid, I was telling my friend this the other day, when I was a kid, um, if I did anything like that I think my parents would be like a little bit upset about, I would ground myself. But it was <laughs> it was mostly so that I could just be alone. <laughs> So I just like, it's definitely chosen isolation. It's how I recharge. It's how I feel inspired. It's how I have room to to think and to, to do things and to find space inside of myself to make music. And, and so being on tour um, is kind of anti-writing an album, really, because there's none of that space. So it, it made for a very different thing. Like it, it, taking something that was constructed in that way and with that idea and then putting it very publicly in front of an audience, do, does that allow those moments to open up for you or are you able to kind of hold what it was? Yeah, um, it does open it up for me. I think I'm in my lyrics specifically, I'm often trying to find a way to normalize my my feelings, whether it's a, a loner feeling or a complicated feeling. I my my lyrics specifically are very much like like diary entries and they're very personal and in sharing them with people I find a community of people who feel exactly the same way as me and and so then I feel less alone even if they are all ex- essentially strangers yeah. I I don't want this question to come off like I'm mining your your personal life uh, but I I'll bring up something you're talking about right there you had tweeted that the person who broke your heart that you had written about so much on that first album came to your Milwaukee show <laughs> yeah. and you kind of left it open-ended like this is like I wonder how this is going to go and, and I sort of wondered right. if there 
there was an ending to that story that uh, that you're able to tell? Oh, I, it would be something else if that person was hearing this. Like, it, it would be wild because we have not spoken in maybe five years, you know, because of the shuffle of the show. And it's such a large room. And it was in Madison, actually, um, just like I think over like 1,500 people or something. I didn't actually get to see them, but um, I know that the, they had a ticket and I hope they saw it. And I hope I, it, I've been waiting for that moment for so long. <laughs> It's so like it's so it, it you know an an experience with someone drove me to to start making music and so while it was painful it was also so rewarding and it essentially pushed that that pain and that hurt pushed me to write songs and to perform them and to create this life with my with my art in this way and so I am both like thank you but also haha you know <laughs> I, I mean that's got to be the i mean every songwriter if you get to a certain point has to go through something like that if if you write a song yeah. about a person that you're no longer with there's that moment yeah. will they ever hear it and how will it be received yes yes i couldn't believe it i felt so i waited 5 years for that <laughs> it felt it felt really it felt like a sign of who of how how far I have gotten, you know, I haven't been making music for very long. And before this, I was really just an academic without being involved in music or having music friends or friends in bands. And that's when this person knew me. So to to have come as far as someone who's not plugged into necessarily the indie community to to have heard anything close to me it it was just unreal yeah. i had i had to share it up and tell everyone i guess well i i hope whatever the outcome was gets back to you and somehow because that's you know yes. everybody wants at least some kind of closure on that so it's uh definitely definitely <laughs> I hope for you uh, i'd love I to get as a win <laughs> right. i'd love to ask about a couple songs before we get out of here too uh, and i'll just uh, sort of broadly um water me down is great as a fan of trip hop and this is about what you get 2019 version of trip hop to me how i hear it can you tell me about this song um just just what 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 the story is yeah um well it's i was in my um i was in new york city and i was at my friend's house and i had just gotten off the phone with a really irritating person um and i remember hanging up the phone and just like having all of the lyrics pour out of me and so my friend and I we often play music together and he started playing this like synth line bum, 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 bum. I was like whoa it would it would be so cool you know I added that four to the floor and we made it just like started like I started I love drums and I'm obsessed with them and started just making this house beat along with that synth line he was playing and I thought it would be really it was really funny because for the first time you know something in my life was ending and I didn't feel like the world was ending or that I was going to die and so having it be on this those lyrics in this really like kind of groovy upbeat most upbeat vagabond song that exists the the beat of it and the lyrics being kind of this juxtaposition of one another that was a really fun thing for me to explore I wanted to create a playground with the production and with the lyrics like heal myself through some 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 heartache and so um how they blend together really ended up being much cooler than i thought it would be uh, i love that you also ask publicly for any dj to remix that song because you're right it is yes. perfect to make a dance track out of yes i can't wait <laughs> <laughs> the song flood that's got a tie to tegan and sarah right indirectly yes indirectly yes <laughs> um yeah i toured with tegan and sarah 
I can't remember what year. It must it must have been 2017. We did a few shows together, and um, we became really good friends, and um, I love them a lot. And so when they were working on the covers album, you know, the con, they did like an anniversary album that was going to be covers of every song on the con. Sarah asked me to do a cover of Floor Plan, and I really don't – I mean, I – I wing it with my music. Like I don't, I, I didn't go to music school. I don't really know like music theory at all. I don't know any music theory. I just kind of make things up. And so when she asked me to do a cover floor plan, I listened to it and I was like, how on earth am I going to, like, I don't know how to do covers. And so I was like, I think it's really interesting when people do a cover and it doesn't sound like the original. So I kind of was, was making this track that was very like electronic like a little bit pop but still had some guitar in it and and I didn't use any of the notes in there like I just went rogue completely (laughs) like it was not a cover um I didn't even use many of the lyrics um and then I showed it to them and they really loved it but by that time I I really developed an attachment to that song because it's the first time that I had produced something in its entirety and it sounded like nothing I've ever made it was an exciting point for what my next album could sound like and they they were like you need to keep the song and kind of echoed echoed what I thought which was that I needed to keep the song and so that's how it ended up being flood here's something great for you that you can't have anymore thanks for asking (laughs) (laughs) thanks for inspiring me to make uh, something Uh, and I see that we've got one on the way, right, with uh, The Wild, which was written specifically yes. for the Turning movie. Yes, is exactly. this the, it, Much like uh, the Tegan and Sarah, though, is this the first time you've written specifically for a project like this? Yes, it, it is the first time. Yeah, I walked in. I walked into the studio. Um, Loris Rotham, who produced the soundtrack, I walked into his studio, and originally, I originally I thought we were just meeting and going to talk about it, and then he goes, "So, you ready to you ready to write?" And I'm like, "Oh God." <laughs> I had just never written on the spot before, like um, in the studio and like writing and and recording it right away. But that's what we did. Two and a half hours later, we're done with the song. And I had written the song and I don't know how it happened, but it's such a fun exercise. I really, really enjoyed doing it. And I and I loved writing from the perspective of, of the characters in the movie and, and getting to think so differently from how I usually write my lyrics. And, and it's, it's more of like, you know, the the theme song is more of, you know, leaning towards like 90s kind of like grunge rock like influences. And so it, it's also different than what my current record sounds like. But it was so fun to make to like get back to playing guitars a lot. <laughs> yeah. So you flip the script on the second record and immediately you're flipping that script again. <laughs> Sorry for the whiplash. <laughs> it's so great. I, in, in fact, I mean, it's been one of my favorite things about you. You know, it, you, what you're doing is so interesting. And again, uh, and I'll wrap it up just with more compliments because uh, I am such a fan <laughs> of, of your music and I cannot wait to hear what comes after this. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really excited to work on the next one. Yeah. All right, Leticia, it's been so great talking to you. Thank you so much for the call today. Uh, oh, and thank uh, you for having me. Yeah, and we'll see you out there. All right. Yes, I'll see you out there. All right, take care. Bye. All right, my huge thanks to Vagabond. The new self-titled record is out now. It 
is beautiful. Go check it out immediately, right now. And then, after that, head to WFPK.org. That's where you'll hear me Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, and bonus interviews. Again, WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound has your music and film news. You can also find me at any social media spots at Kyle Meredith. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. I'm Lior Phillips, host of This Must Be The Gig. We're a weekly podcast that documents everything about the world of live music. Speaking with choreographers, costume and set designers, the people who run beloved venues and festivals, and, of course, speaking with musicians about that one gig that changed their lives. Get your peek behind the curtain at consequenceofsound.net, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.